0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi,
1: everybody, welcome back to the Believe in Temple Football podcast, season one episode 15 we've been waiting to bring this one to all of you guys i'm john de the editor of alscoop.com the site in the the yahoo and rivals network that covers temple football temple basketball and recruiting here again with adam DeMichael, michael former temple quarterback former temple assistant coach what's on what's going on adam how are you
2: john what's up buddy man everything's good here everything's really good i'm just excited about this guy we have on here today man i'm fired up john go ahead keep going man
1: so uh, joining us in in a second uh, again we've been waiting to bring you guys this episode uh with evan cooper um those of you who follow the temple football program uh know who evan is he's the carolina quarter uh, carolina panthers quarterbacks coach and their director of player evaluation so again if you're a temple fan you know evan got his start as a player at Temple dating back to when Bobby Wallace was the head coach in 2005 uh, before Al Golden took over. So that's as far back as Evan goes. But before we introduce Mr. Cooper here, I want to remind you all that the Believe in Temple Football podcast is sponsored by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even the next season's futures. And don't forget that the Major League Baseball season is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? For Adam DeMichael, maybe he's picking the Pittsburgh Pirates to win the World Series. Don't no, know how likely that so. is. Not, not today. <laughs> um, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online, where the game starts. So without further ado, Evan Cooper, joining us on the Believe in Temple football podcast. Evan, what's going on, man? Thanks for doing this. How are you? Man, nothing much, man. I'm great. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, we appreciate you uh, making the time for us. We know you're busy. Uh, Coop got to know Matt Rule once Matt joined Al Golden Staff and he later got his start in coaching back in 2013 as part of Matt's staff once he came back to Temple to replace Steve Adazio, and he's been working for him ever since, with the exception of uh, that one season he spent in 2015 down in Miami. And because Coop and Adam are close friends and have known each other for a long time, they've been roommates, uh, I'm going to turn this over to Adam here to get us started.
2: Oh, my man, really good to see you, man. Hey, first off, I would just like to um, check in. How's the wife? How are the kids? How's everything going? If I didn't say that, man, and she listened, I know I'd be in trouble (laughs) and you'd be in trouble, so...
0: (laughs) Man, everybody is good. Little Coop growing up, got little Maddie growing up. I feel old, man. If it wasn't for like looking in the mirror, I would think I was a grandpa.
2: (laughs) That's funny, man. I mean, you and I the same way. I mean, I got my wife and my wife and kids actually just walked in. I I had to send them packing to get some dinner, some Chick Fil A, so I could get this podcast going. But now they're back. So if one of the little dudes storms in, man, just keep rolling with it, man. If I get one (laughs) of them in a headlock or something, hey, man. But to get started, um. Obviously, you and I have known each other for a long time. Spent a lot of time together as uh, as teammates, and then on the same staffs a couple of times. Like for the listeners that you know may not know you, may not know um, your coaching story from the beginning um, and how kind of you got to where you are right now at the highest level in the NFL. Just again, quickly, just let us know your your story. Or how did you get to where you are right now?
0: Well, I think I might break some news to some people today because. <laughs> my origin story actually begins with Adam DeMichael, if you could believe that. So uh, when I got done playing football, I was down in Miami coaching and I got a call from Adam once Coach Rule got the job. And he was like, hey, listen, bro, I'm going to do this GA thing. Coach was looking for somebody. I gave him your name. And in my mind, I was just like, yeah, sure. Let's let's get it done. I could never really imagine that it would bring me to this point. But I would say Adam has a large, large, large role in my, you know, beginning this coaching career. That's how Um, it went, you know, and then we we came up and we were graduate assistants together and we got fired together. (laughs) We we did a lot of dumb stuff on the field together. Man, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Just trial by fire. And, uh, you know, those are some of my best days.
2: Yeah, man. those Those are good memories. And again, man, I might have, uh, helped you maybe slide a toe in the door bro but uh at the end of the day you came in and you handled business the way you're supposed to handle business and and, you know you didn't look where you are now
0: Um, I appreciate you being modest bro but yeah no man for real we know we know you 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 I remember
2: hey John I remember I was like Coop like hey bro Bro said bring him on he said I remember he asked me he's like Coop I'm like yeah Coop he's like like Coop must be a coach I'm like he's coaching now. I'm like, does he want to do this? I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this first and foremost. (laughs) I hit Coop up. I'm like, yo, hey, Rule said you're in. Let's go. He's like, how long do I got? I was like, oh, he said get up here in like two days. And Coop's like buying the next flight up the next day. I don't know if he drove at that time, but, you know, he was up there in two days and we were just – like I said, I remember sitting in EO's grad assistants, you know, watching these. And, you know, we were in this – like the old, old game room, John, like, cruddiest game and we had two couches we slept there like four nights a week we just kept exchanging couches he had a small one I had the big one the next night we would switch you know he we would just talk like you know draft talk the combine we would watch college games late night and like Coop just always had a feel for evaluating players you know he had this unique insight like he could see the good the bad the ugly on some of these prospects and you know from college any NFL it's like you were being a GM bro without even knowing you know what I'm saying it's like and where did that come from, and like what skills go into that for some of our young listeners out there that might want to you know, be a scout or be an evaluator or a GM or become a coach? Like, How did you become good at that, man? Yeah, I, I always was amused by how good you were, like calling things out. You're like, oh, we got this guy. I'm like, my like, bro, who's the Steelers getting? Because that's what I need to know.
0: <laughs> man, first of all, being good at it is a different story. I'm not sure if I'm good at it, but I got my start just – I'm from Miami, and Miami is like a football city. Like, you you play football, you do football, you watch football, you practice football. Like, it, it just is what, like, when you're not at practice, you're playing 707, and on the weekends, you playing two-hand touch on the street in the concrete. Like, football is a way of life, you know. Uh, my dad played football. My uncle played football. I'm sure if my grandmother could have played football, she would have played football. <laughs> um, so i just always been around it. And, um, just like Adam and I, I used to debate with my friends and go back and forth with my friends about who was a good player, who wasn't a good player, who was getting drafted. Like I can remember writing my first scouting report was like, was Kevin Williams from Oklahoma state. Like I I wrote that, that that long ago, like he's been retired for years and I, (laughs) I wrote his scouting report and I just always have, you know, it's just something that's natural been natural to me. Um, and in college, I actually got my first full-time job as the recruiting coordinator. So I went from a graduate, a defensive graduate assistant to the recruiting coordinator after a year. So it's always just kind of been natural for me, just evaluating players and just trying to, it's fun trying to project them out and seeing when you see them on tape and when they get to camp, like what do yeah. you see, what do you think, that kind of stuff. It's just always been fun for me.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like it's like playing Mad. like Oh, you see his quarterback, I'm about to draft him for my team. It's like he's a projected sixth or seventh rounder. And like that's how I do it. You know what I mean? That's like, oh, you know, even when we were coaching, it's like, okay, well, we got um, like who the heck did we bring in, man? It's like, could this kid is this kid projected? I don't want to say like PJ, but like any of these guys that we recruited when we were there, IGMs of the world. It's like, okay, is IGM fast enough, you no? Know, IG IGM's gonna play in the approach. You know, it's like Ventel, I don't know, all Ventel does is catch fade balls, you know, what I mean? and then he comes to us, and you know, what I mean you you recruited him and the dude's like the most crisp route runner we have so it's like your evaluation process you know you it was fulfilled it was true you know what i mean not 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 all of them you didn't win on all of them but that's kind of the business but i was always amused with how good is you, how good you were at doing that stuff so pretty cool to see yeah appreciate it
1: Coop, you've really you've truly seen the temple turnaround as much as anyone because you were you were there in, in two thousand five under Bobby Wallace when things were really tough before Al took over uh, take us back to the beginning why did you choose Temple coming out of American Heritage High School in Delray Beach Florida who, who else recruited you and how did you end up at Temple
0: yeah so I was a little bit before like huddle and stuff and I truthfully I only played organized football from or my junior year and my senior year so I was late to it and I didn't go through all the recruiting processes I didn't go to any camps like I was pretty much an unknown um until my senior year and in my senior year I had a pretty good year and um they were the first to offer me and um set up like my official visit I got up there and it was just like you know going from I guess probably anybody's first official visit or any visit I didn't even do unofficial visits any you can be wild because it's just so much whatever when I got there just felt like home just felt like the right place for me I got around the guys I like what, what they were talking about. You know, I'm from the city of my, I'm from Miami. So it's not, it wasn't a huge transition outside of weather. Um, It just felt comfortable. And then as soon as I, well they offered me a scholarship, like actually on the official visit. And I was just like, they coach Wallace called me in and he was like, Hey, so what do you think? I was like, coach, if you (laughs) offer me, I'm going to commit and we'll go from there. He offered me, I said, I'm coming. And then I just, after the news got out that I committed to them, I had all sorts of schools calling. Me. Like Kansas State called me and wanted to get me like the very next weekend. So I guess my recruiting took off, but you know, it was already done. I promised coach that I would come and it is what it is. I came and it's probably the best decision of my life. I met guys like AD, I met guys like Coach Rule, Terrence Knight, lifelong friends, Dominique Harris, those guys and co-workers actually. Coop, let me ask you a follow-up because you just keyed off something
1: in my mind. You said that once you committed to Temple, a bunch of other schools reached out to you, like like Mm -hmm. the state. What was it like? Because you know what happens now. You guys both recruited players. So often, more often than not, and again, fans listening to this podcast know how Temple has gotten good. You guys have oftentimes been one of the first programs to evaluate and offer a kid. And then once he has a Temple offer, he might blow up. You know, because right. because coaches know Oh, Temple offered them, they've sent some guys to the league. What was it like a, as a, a coach? Maybe both of you guys can chime in on this. Once you guys were the first to offer somebody, then it's like, oh, here we go. Because I remember talking to you guys off. You just just apart from interviews, we would talk recruiting and you guys would give me insight. And I remember sometimes you guys would say, well, we'll see who else gets involved now that we have offered them. What was it like to see that as an assistant coach
0: all those years later and being on the other side of it? Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of disheartening because to be the first to offer somebody, you really have to believe in them because after after the first person does it, you know, like we've we, we, we offered guys with just one double eight, like small, small one double eight. Right, right, right. And that's yeah. a big leap, you know, that's a huge leap because it takes a certain amount of belief to say, hey, we, we're going to like when we offer kids, we expect, you know, they expect us to be able to say, yeah, you can come. And that's how we did it. That's how we tried to, you know, put out our offers. But it is it, disheartening because, like, we did the legwork for a lot of people and because they had whatever kind of logos, you know.
2: And, and, and you know, it knows, like, we talked about this before in one of his former, uh, one of his past podcasts, John, you know, like, Majority of the guys outside of the Ventels and Brojics and, like, like the kids from Miami that we didn't see at camp, like, mm-hmm. Coop or, or Fran at the time. When them dudes went down there and seen them. And Terry Smith was recruiting dudes back at that time, Coop. But like, we did, and we brought those guys to camp. It's like, you're coming to our camp, and we're going to evaluate you. We're going to coach you. You're going to get coached by us. You're going to see our coaching style. And that's how, like, hey, you know, Rico Armstead, like, he was a backup, right, Coop? And then he came to our camp ran lights out we offered him he committed that's how it goes like we we got those in-person evaluations and built that relationship i think that's what was great about the staff that we had in place there just the amount of guys that were dug in on the kid you know what i mean not just one guy not just one position coach but there were other people involved that could hit different avenues you know what i mean whether it's you know a grandparent a sister a cousin you know a little brother who you, you know you're vibing with but that's what we were good at back in that time john
1: mm-hmm. Coop, I, I watched your father play for the Eagles when I was growing up, and he was played for them from 1984 to 87. He was the first-team All-Big Ten player at Michigan. W- what are your earliest memories of, of being around him, and how much has he meant to your life and career?
0: Yeah, man, he, my father was a big, big, big influence for me, you know, especially in my football life. Um, he introduced me to football. Um, just watching him go through it and, you know, me and him having well, – Name me being the namesake, you know, a lot of people equate my name to my father, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it was, it was always something related to football. So I didn't really have a choice. You know, I don't know if I would, cho- would have chosen otherwise, but football was always my path because of my father. And um, some of my earliest memories are just hearing people talk about how he was at Michigan. I actually never got a chance to see him, you know, play right. live or whatever or that I could remember, but just you know, he was kind of local hero, you know. That's just how I started my love affair with, with football. Did you get – I mean,
1: did you get comparisons growing up? Like, when you start playing heading into college, do you have people saying, like, you think you're going to be as good as your father? Or Or do people kind of – are they able to separate that and kind of let you take your own path?
0: No, there is no separation. It's always <laughs> compared. Yeah. Your father versus you or this or that or Michigan versus Temple or whatever, you know. So, I mean – that kind of stuff is fun, you know. I never took it the other way. I, I didn't I didn't take it the negative way, you know. I just just kind of try to you know follow in his footsteps, you know, as best as I could.
2: It's funny, John. I'm a I'm a you know I'm like a, kind of an avid card collector. I'm kind of f- falling off a little bit, but I got this card. Of, I don't have it with me, but I have the I have a picture of Coop's dad. Like they look exact. It's, it's unbelievable. Like me and my pops look like a little bit or whatever. When I get older, I think I'll look like more like my dad. But Coop's dad, and him. It's crazy. Like, this isn't the picture. This is just one picture of him playing and stuff. That's yeah. But I have the picture, and then the back of him has his headshot, and it's crazy. Like, I'm, I'm, I can't believe how, like, the hairline is just crisp. <laughs> the facial hair is just is just on point. And I just, I mean, I'll send it to Coop, like, I don't know, like, once every couple months, i would be like, yo, I just found this car. I had it in my car. I think my wife saw it. She's like, why is this in here? I'm like, don't worry about it. So it's just my, sitting in there. My hairline a little
0: bit better, though, bro. Don't, give me some credit. Give me some credit. I know,
2: credit. bro, 84, 85. I mean, I don't know how many people were trying to get some crisp haircuts from wherever you're going now, but that's funny, man. Oh, man, that's a good time. It's a
1: good time. They're bringing back – the the Eagles are bringing back some of the – the for some of the games this season, the Kelly green jersey. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So for that retro look that, that uh, he had when he was playing with the Eagles. Uh, Coop, you were also – you know, what, during your time at Temple early on, you guys were playing – that loaded schedule and and really getting beat up early on before you guys became, you know, full members of the Mac. Was it, was it tough to have faith during that time that things were were going to turn around? Obviously Adam and I have talked about this a ton. And and when did you start to see the culture start to change and shift? Are there any stories that stand out from that? Whether it was a game, a practice, because I mean, you guys went through it and went through the lows of the low before you really started to, to break through. And Al had probably, 15 different cliches to explain how long it took. But what what was that process like to go through it?
0: Yeah, man, to be honest, I have like a sort of unique perspective on that kind of stuff. I um when we got to college, like especially like my class and the class after me, which was Adam's class, like those two classes really kind of just took it for what it was worth. Like I I can remember being on the field as a freshman and looking over and seeing T Knight and he like it don't matter what's happening. Like, me and you, we're going to play hard. We're going to grind. Like, we're going to have fun. So my freshman season, you know, nobody likes to lose. Um, but I would say we we never really had to navigate, like, those different types of feelings. Like, it was just football to me. And it was just football to that that young freshman class, like the Keith Holtz and Dominique Harris. Is like It was just football to us. And then when Adam came, Adam gave us, you know, along with Coach Golden and the staff, gave us a different kind of hope, right, with the whole let's be, we'll, we'll rebuild it from the bottom, from the ground up. And you could just see us get better every year. I mean, excuse me, every week. And, you know, we were practicing hard. And football is football. Football is fun. Um, so we knew, you know, we knew that we would turn it around, especially our senior year. We had like a like this feeling like, you know what, we could be good. And if not for some unfortunate injuries, I think we probably would have been, one of the best teams, you know, in that era, um, that my senior year. But you know, what happened happened, and that next year they went on and did a whole bunch of good things. But we, you could kind of feel it. But all in all, I would say it was just all, it was just football and optimism and just trying to stick together as a young group. Real quick, before I turn it over to Adam here, AD is going to put you on this. Say he's
1: got to put you on the hot seat here with some <laughs> questions. Who was the best player you, you played against? Any memories to stick out to you? You in my entire career, or early in my career. Uh, I guess early. I mean, you probably you could probably rattle off some guys from high school and college. Some of the best guys you ever played. Oh, yeah,
0: game. uh probably, probably the most notable per- person would probably be either Greg Jennings or Antonio Brown. Those guys I had to cover, mm-hmm. um, as a young player. I hated
2: playing central Michigan, bro. Yeah, <laughs> they damn
0: the fever, just you should just yeah. tear
2: us up. Man. Yeah,
0: we have you know, we played against a bunch of. A bunch of good guys. What, what's what's the left tackle uh, from Central Michigan in the 49ers? Oh, yeah,
2: for first pick, Staley? Yeah, uh, yeah, Staley? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. we, we played against a bunch of good players. But, you know, I, I I don't know. I never really thought about them as good players until, you know, after we played after them. After the fact, 40,
2: right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hey, all right, bro. I got about uh, <clears throat> nine questions. It's going to be quick. Just <laughs> lightning round? Yeah, it's a lightning round. 80s hot <laughs> seat. I put, I put maybe one or two other people on it. I had to bring it back for you. So be truthful, be quick, you know, be sudden. Just go to you. All right, here we go. Number one, college Matt Rule or NFL Matt Rule? NFL. College Phil Snow or NFL Phil Snow? College. Mm. Man-to-man coverage or off-zone coverage? Man-to-man coverage. LeBron on the Cavs or LeBron on the Heat? LeBron on the Heat. What? Cities. <laughs> Cities. Philly or Charlotte? Philly. Mm. Who was the worst GA, me or you?
0: Uh, me by far i was told <laughs> that i was the worst GA, yeah, yeah, graduate, yeah, yeah. graduate assistant he, kn- he knew
2: you'd take it way better than him telling me that because i'd be mad for like the next three years <laughs> yeah. so he probably told you that on the side like yo i was just lying AD's no no john
0: were. listen <laughs> that rule sat me down at my end of the year meeting and said listen i'm sorry it's not gonna work out for you you're the absolute worst graduate assistant i've ever been a part of i would never hire you you should probably look for a job. I'm not even <laughs> sure if you like football. So that's that, going to that, be my –
1: once you. once AD's done with his rapid-fire stuff, I, I literally want to get into that next. You're okay. Right. Go ahead, AD.
2: I only got two more quick ones. All right. Full beard coop or goatee coop? Hmm.
0: I'm doing the full beard off-season thing. Hmm. So – and I like – but I like the season better, so I'll go goatee. All
2: right, man. Number nine, last one. Who's the best player you've ever coached? Ooh. Position doesn't not non position specific.
0: Oh, so the, the the best player. I don't want to pick your
2: corners because I don't want your corners to hit you up. So i excluding DMA. my
0: corners. Cur- yeah, yeah. Can I do? I mean, TJ was a pretty good, good player, man. It's it's hard, you know. But you got Robbie, you got Haas. Uh, Nate, good. you got Deion Dawkins. Like I are good. Adams and Michael is the best player I've <laughs> ever been yeah. in the team. Yeah, man. right. That's Adams funny, is, man. That's what I'm going with.
2: Yeah, you know what? You should just play the fifth, bro. You're, you're smart. You ain't stupid. You know what I mean? You ain't trying to have Hawes hitting your phone up and PJ. PJ hey, I know was
0: pretty good too.
2: I know this was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's gonna be good for you guys. You guys are gonna have a good, you know, because he can pass rush like him mm-hmm. and 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 Brown from Auburn, whoever his name is. Like you get a pass rusher with 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 him. Mm-hmm. There's my nine, bro. It's a good questions, good quick answers. Sudden. All right, John. John, go ahead. You can talk about. That was good stuff. I could, have, I could
1: have listened to that. If you had like 15 or 20, I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> um, so you group, like I said, segueing into this, you literally, you just talked about that conversation that, that Matt had with you. And, and I, I watched that video that you did with, with Kristen Balboni for the Panthers website. And you told the story, how Matt said you were, you were a terrible grad assistant. And, you know, you talked about how you weren't really sure what you were supposed to be doing, how Phil Snow came to you and asked if you had to uh asked you if you had to cut up video and had it ready and you mentioned there were no holdovers at the grad assistant level w- was it just a lot of learning on the fly and how long did it take you guys to get a feel for what you were really supposed to be doing there
0: first of all it's not a rumor it's not an opinion i really was a bad graduate assistant it's not just <laughs> coach making up stuff whatever yeah. these little you know whatever but no it's it was just a tough deal just imagine just like not one of us had ever been a graduate assistant so we Mm -hmm. didn't even know what we didn't know Mm -hmm. right and it was it took it took me a full year I would say
2: at least for even whenever whenever I became a full-time guy I still had no idea how to draw plays on Vizio and like 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 John really quick like Bryce Sean Bryson was our other GA who was an NFL guy for seven eight years like you think he ever opened up Microsoft Office and like started you know or you think he ever drew a play card I remember or and then we had Colin Clancy like imagine that like that guy like he might be smart up here but that boy was a different animal so go ahead Coop sorry I just had to mention all the other two guys because no you know, we, had, we had a lot of fun in a drone we were in a room that was like like it was like a prison cell almost and like if I moved my chair back I was bumping into someone else like that's how much room we were, we
0: were just. I think
2: I remember seeing you guys sitting yeah. back to
1: back like this. Yeah, I that's what it was. remember that.
0: Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. But no, those, those were great times. Like, like Adam said, like me and him slept, we alternated couches because I was on like a, what do you call it? Love sofa. The, like, yeah, the two sofa cedar, yeah. I'm trying to sleep on that. And he's like, all right, I feel bad for you, bro. You could come on the two seater. Like <laughs> That's what we did for a very and, long time. And it was time. like,
2: it was negative 66 degrees in there. And we had like, I don't even, we slept, <laughs> Coop used to sleep in the winter coats, like those big ones that they give the coaches mm-hmm. on the, he used to mm-hmm. sleep in that, like it would go down to your knees, those parkers, whatever, what are they called? I don't yeah, know what they're called, that. but yeah, he would sleep. I look over at him, I couldn't see his face.
1: <laughs> now what, at what Man, point were you funny. guys, weren't you guys roommates together living in Matt and Julie's house? Was that when you were GAs or was this, was this later on? No, no, that's, that's GA
2: stuff. Like yeah, that's, that's a little G- bit later. Yeah, we I can't
0: bring that up. She still don't like it because of that. Yeah, that's still a sore spot, man. Yeah, yeah, like that was later when we could actually kind of afford something. When we first got there, I don't, you know, whatever. I don't want to go through any. uh, That that
1: that life though of of sleeping on couches. It it, like if you could take listeners into that, like, it does it just come from? It is it as simple as like we're working till one or two o'clock in the morning and we don't want to be late. So we are literally just going to, we're just going to get up in the morning and we have to, we have to be here. We have to be ready. Is it just that around the clock, I'm going to do the, do my best to not burn myself out type of lifestyle.
0: It's a, I think there's like a bunch of factors. Mm -hmm. I think we were broke (laughs) Mm -hmm. that played into a little bit, you know, and also, like you said, we were working, like ridiculous hours you know we were working really long long hours and you know late nights early mornings type of deal like I can remember like sleeping four hours and popping up like what wait where am I yeah three hours sometimes you know so mm-hmm. it didn't even make sense to take 30 minute 30 minutes that's an hour up so instead of yeah. sleeping three hours you are sleeping two hours
2: so <laughs> right. right and like Coop worked for Coop worked for Phil Snow and then I worked for Marcus Satterfield and like those guys didn't – it wasn't like, all right, boy, it's 8 o'clock. Let's head on home. It was Marcus Satterfield staying up until midnight, 1230, and me having to wait up for him to give me this, the script so I could type it up and do the cards. And it's like, all right, Sat, I'm going to go lay down for a little bit. Wake me up when you leave. And, like, he leaves at 2. I wake up at 2 type some stuff up and come back. Like, you you work for guys that are grinders, and, you know, obviously you see where they're at right now. You know what I mean, with Sat. You know, coming with them at Baylor and, you know what I mean, the Panthers now South Carolina and Snow's obviously, you know, with, with, with Coop down there. So you work for those guys and work for a head coach like like Matt. It's like, that's all they do. And at least at that time, we were trying to become a right. better program.
1: Mm-hmm. So despite you being as honest as possible and saying that you were overwhelmed and didn't know what you were doing as a, as a GA, you had to be doing something right eventually because – you come back to be the director of player personnel at Temple in 2015. How, how did it feel to come back and, and get a full-time job at a place where you played and a place where, as you and Adam just said, you were learning on the fly. You didn't know, what you didn't know, but they liked you enough to, to, to bring you back. So what was it like to to come back in 2015 and how would you compare that
0: Temple to the one that you came to in 2005? Hmm. I will say there were a lot of parallels, you know, um, you know, coach rule, you know, in our first season, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't win a bunch of games. And in our second season, you could see it kind of switch over. So I actually did not leave for like a season. I left for like an off season. Um, I got, as you know, Al golden was the head coach. He was my head coach. And he was the head coach at the university of Miami. And they called me over to like work inside of their recruiting department. Yeah. And it's home. You know, I got to raise. I was trying to feed my son and my wife and, well, my my girl, my fiance at the time. And um, it was just something that I had to do. In fact, Coach who who I'm close with today, just really close with, I say, Coach, you have to tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. Mm. I don't want to leave, but you have to help me. And he told me that I should go. So we stayed mm. into contact we stayed in contact and Mm -hmm. I was actually still evaluating players for coach. He would send a couple players like, Hey, we just had these three guys at camp. what you think? Hey, offer. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and as soon as he could create a position for me, he called me and I was like, coach, I'm on the next thing smoking. You know, (laughs) not that Miami wasn't great for me. It was just the bond that coach rule and I had and Adam and the, the surface. It was whatever, but like deeper, you know, I felt like I was a part of that rebuild and I knew what we had. We would, you know, take off in that next season. And we actually went my first season. Well, the first game or first season that I was back, um, we went to the um, AAC championship and lost yeah. to Houston. Mm-hmm. And then that next year we went and then we won it. So mm-hmm. I, I had a belief in coaching, what he was doing and what the program, what, where it was headed.
1: And I, you're right. I mean, I forget about that sometimes. It was a quick turnaround. You go down there and come back up. And I can totally understand that rationale. Like I got to go down there and take care of my family. That, that, that that 2015 season, we could talk about it for, for days on end. What do you guys and Adam, you know, chime in to like for Evan, especially for you and you come in in 2005 and you knew where a temple was at that time and everything you guys got to 2015, the program you're now coaching that you're part of beats Penn state uh, goes on that run. I don't have to tell you guys, you should have, uh, you probably could have and should have, should have beaten Notre Dame. I still have, I still have images of, of Will Hayes maybe taking a different angle on that pass and just bringing it down the sideline and, and the link just spontaneously combusting. But when you're, and you probably, I would imagine you probably don't get to really enjoy it at the time, but were there any times where you look around and think, my God, this is, it was a perfect week. The Eagles were on a bye week. Everybody was talking about Temple football the place was filled and not just with Notre Dame fans, a lot of temple fans. Was there any time during that time where you're looking around thinking like the temple that I came to in 2005 and this one right now, did you ever think of those things and just look around and just
0: kind of enjoy it? It's like you said, man, when you're in it, you know, I was busy trying to get recruits to the game. You know, when you're in it, you know, you look up and you see coaching Kevin Agandi and college game day. And he's like, wow. Mm -hmm right now for this specific moment, we're in the center of college football right now. And um, it's like you say, it made me proud, you know, but I didn't have too long and I didn't have very long to sit back and, you know, think about it because the game was there and then the game was over. Um, but it was just, it was a microcosm of like what the program, you know, has been through and what it deserves. Like that place deserves that kind of, you know, those kids, those players, both in my 2000, my first and my second stint, like, they earned everything they had, nothing was given to the, any of those guys, like the practices, the, the schedules, everything, just the adversity they had to overcome and recruiting and whatever, like those guys, they earned that. So it was just good to see it. And, you know, the outcome wasn't what we wanted or hoped for, but it, it was still such a good step for a big step for our program. Yeah.
2: I just like that 15 teams, like there were probably close to 30 professional football players on that team. Yeah. If you go back and look, whether it was the NFL or the CFL now, or whether they're done now or just got like, a, and I'm not even talking about guys that were there for like three months, like I wasn't. <laughs> I'm talking about guys like, you know, Kirkwoods and, you know, what I mean, Julian Taylor's back in the league and like, you know, Dog B when he's young at the time, mm-hmm. Ventel was in the league, you know, Adonis was, you know what I mean? You're talking about guys like that. Boozer, I mean, Kyle Friend, Jalen Robinson, they all played. Like, those are guys that people would just kind of forget. And then they're not even the guys that are still playing now. So it's like that team was com- comprised of, like, 30 NFL players, which is crazy in the AAC in 2015. So it just goes to show, like, again, I'm not trying to toot Coup's horn over here, but, like, the recruiting department and the, the evaluation process of those guys, he had a big – you know, he he had a ton to do with that, so – Absolutely. It's pretty cool when you go back and look at it, like, wow, these dudes are still playing. Wow. We probably could – like, we almost lost at UMass. I go back, I'm like, right. we almost lost at UMass. Most One of the most pivotal
1: games of the season with yeah, that.
2: that thing that turns around. Points. Like, we lose there? Yeah, yeah. we lose there. It's a, it's a wrap, I mean. Yeah. And then the Notre Dame, Then we could never beat USF for some reason, ever, at that time. But um, it's just – like I said, I, mean, I can go back. We, we could talk for days about those, those couple of years. But mm-hmm. pretty cool to see those guys.
1: And Coop, Matt, you know, the season before he says no to Missouri and then the same AD ends up a Baylor and Matt couldn't say no to him a second time. Matt got the Baylor job and asked you to come with him. That was like the the day that Temple fans were really dreading because they knew that if Matt continued to get better, and the program continued to get better, he might eventually leave. What What was that time like for you? Did you get a sense of like just how down and out the, the the temple fan base was at the time like oh we're losing you know the fans are saying we're losing good coach we're losing the guy that gets it that can talk to the media talk to fans talk to boosters and you know matt you know again i don't have to tell you you know him better than i do he's not a guy that just talks ball he's just like this is all i do he can talk to you about music he can connect with your family so he's leaving and you guys are going out to bail and you go with him what was that what stands out from that time when you're saying goodbye, and then going down there, going down to Waco and heading into the big 12 and then taking on that challenge,
0: man, it's it's another one of those things where you don't really get a chance to just sit back and take it all in because I had to be, as soon as he got the job, I was on the flight the next day, you know, mm-hmm. trying to put together a recruiting class in a month. So um, I know that coach was sad. We had conversations. I was actually on the first flight over. Like I had to get on the first flight and, like there were still coaches in the building when I arrived. So I was in this like small room just trying to put together a recruiting class, Um, left my family. It was a tough time. That's probably one of the hardest moment, most difficult, not hardest, but one of the most difficult, complex moments of my career. Just I had never gone through, like we won the the AAC championship. The next day I was at his house until like 1am trying to put together a you know, a, a, a draft cl- or a recruiting class. And then the next day I'm on a flight, mm. you know, a tribute to my wife. She was like, she was a rock star about it, but I left, you know, I left to go to Waco, Texas from Philadelphia, right. Mm-hmm. From Miami to Philly, to Miami, to Philly, to Waco, just a mm-hmm. big, it's a cultural shock. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, I was a little bit sad for coach cause I know that it was a tough decision. And um, if he could have stayed at Temple the rest of his life, he probably would have. I was sad because I knew the work that we all put in and the program was in good hands, you know, and that's my alma mater. And I always have a special place for Temple. Hopefully one day I I come back and work for Temple. Um, uh, But it, it was like, it was bittersweet because it was new opportunities for us and all of our coaches and, you know, everything that came along with being in the Big 12, and, you know. But it, it was... You know, it was tough for everybody involved.
2: Cool. What was like? Uh, <clears throat> so obviously, you guys were at Baylor. I mean, where were, there was wor- there was there were there were rumors of like, hey, Oregon. It's like you're gonna go to Waco. You're gonna go to Oregon. Oregon got this Nike stuff. Let's go. Like, yeah. we went Nike for life. Um, like, what was it like to see Matt and you guys turn things around down there after everything they had been through, and then you know, kind of had that success you guys had in building a culture, just like. We did at temple. You know, how did you guys how did you guys do it? Was it the same mode you used at temple? Was it different because you had more resources, more money, bigger conference? Or was it a mixture, a little bit of everything?
0: Yeah, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but it's always the same. Right. It's recruit guys, you know, challenge them to do tough things. Don't like those guys get recruited and then they only go to college to play football. But that's really not what college athletics is about. That's what the pros is about. But that's not really what college athletics is about. And one, one reason that I, you know, believe in Coach Rule as much as I do is because he cares about the student athlete or the human in the NFL. And, it, and he, we just recruited athletic, fast guys and made them do hard things, um, tried to teach them values in life or tried to grow them in, that, in every aspect of their life. And eventually the football stuff, it'll work itself out, you know. And that was the model. At Temple, and that's the mod- that was the model for Baylor, and I think it's a model that people should because not every guy that you recruit is going to be an NFL player, right? But they should be great at something, and they should be great, and they should try to be great, you know. And I think that's what we did. I think we pushed those guys to be great at literally everything that they do or try, it, just you know, effort.
2: So like, whenever um you guys lived up at Baylor, there's again rumors swirling. You know, I mean, Tepper's down there in Waco interviewing Matt like you know there's the Jets there's the Giants um there's all kind of you know the Panthers there's, there's people just talking about him right he's a, he's a name swirling well you know he gets the job like how soon did you know that he wanted to take you with him and then when you got there was it like hey man and again this is a dumb question because I didn't know your answer it's like I arrived you know what I mean like I'm in the NFL did you sit in your office and you were like, like showtime <laughs> like I get to go ahead and Coach these guys, it's weird because, like, you're way older than these dudes that are, you know, not 21, 22 years old. It's like, when did you sit down and say, like, this is the NFL, this is what I want, it's showtime.
0: Man, just because you're asking me this question, I feel like I could be a little bit vulnerable, a little bit. (laughs) Um, Sincerely, when Coach, so all of Coach's decisions, I'm not saying I'm whatever, but he's always, I'm always in the loop, right? We always talk. And um, full transparency, coach rule asked me if he should hire me as a coach. And I said, no, coach. I said, no, I don't know that I'm ready to be an NFL coach. Like if you think about my career, my trajectory at that point, I was just a full-time coach for two years. I was the D line coach and then I was the corners coach. And then we went and we came to the Panthers and I, full transparency i said coach i don't know if i could do that job you know i never even told anybody else i didn't i didn't know if i could be a scout and i didn't know if i could be a coach i didn't know if i could do either one of those you know i kind of felt like you know i'm just getting my my foot my footing in college right which i probably you probably should leave me and let me go find another job somewhere else like um with him being as smart as he is, he said, shut up and uh, meet me in Charlotte. And I said, okay, <laughs> wow. I'll be there tomorrow. And um, you know, you kind of try to hit the ground running. Uh, you know, like any new job, you know, there's a certain amount of self doubt for any person. The most arrogant person, the most self there's a certain amount of self doubt with unknown and new things. And imagine this, I get here working through it and then COVID hits. Hmm. You know, so I was not even able to meet my players until training camp. Right. Like, hey, how's it going? Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm yelling at them like this. Yeah. Oh, you need to uh, put your face in the camera so I can Yeah, right. (laughs) And, you know, that that was tough on me. you know. And I spent probably four or five months just not even knowing what I didn't know and trying to adjust because, you know, it's all football, right? And it's all relationships. But the NFL game is a tad bit different in college, you know, with the hashes and the speed of the game and, you know, tempo of the offense. It's it's a different game. Um, and I just, you know, I've been adjusting. I, I learned something new every day still right. today, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, it was just a little bit of self-doubt. And, you know, now, you know, I, <laughs> whatever, according to my role, I can do both. Right. <laughs> yeah. At least for this
2: imagine, year. Yeah, imagine so, that, right? That's pretty cool. That's good information, man. I'm sure that our listeners will like, that's only for
0: you, bro. That's my vulnerability.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's another good segue because in covering temple, I always valued the opportunity to talk to you and Adam about just stuff on the record, off the record, just to ask you guys about players, either guys you just recruited or guys that were progressing in the program. And, And you guys always had great perspective. And, and now you're in that director of player evaluation role there. And you just went to the combine this year. I remember you saying in the past, you were always draft geek. And I would imagine that being in the, being at the combine is kind of like the height of that, right? Like how was that? And what goes into being there and in your role in the organization, take us through that. What what it was like to just get to that level. Um, Now, again, every off season is a big off season. This is a really big off season for you guys. What was it like
0: just being there in that role? That's very, very important. Man. So, you know, Going to the combine is exactly like you say, like we like I can remember Adam and I just sitting for this four day event, just watching every 40 writing down, just watching it from the couch. And same with the draft, but just the combine specifically, um, just being up in the owner suites and just watching it, you know, up close and personal, and you know, trying to take down the notes and, you know, any little tidbits to help us out and just gather information. It's, it's, it is it's kind of surreal to me, you know, because I am a geek, self-proclaimed, absolutely true. Um, it's just, you know, there's never a dull moment. I don't get bored. You know, I just – I could watch O-linemen getting their hands measured for for hours and hours. It's, I don't know. That's just what I like. It's weird, but it is what it is. And um, just as far as this role is concerned, it's just – is you know – this is a lot more to it. So typically a DB coach would watch the DBs and that's it. But I stayed at the combine for seven days the entire time uh, because I have that personnel role. And um, I sat in on O-line interviews and quarterback interviews and wide receiver interviews. And it's not just my, you know, little space at, at, at DB. It's the entire team. What's it like networking down there? Who
1: do you learn from? Who do you get to talk to? Do you kind of like, do people down there, obviously it's competitive. And I would imagine there's only so much that you want to share and you guys go out and you hang out and it's still like a, an industry where you guys kind of want to see each other do well, but only so much. How do you kind of learn and network and then also kind of maybe keep things to yourself? I I imagine maybe, is that a weird balance?
0: Man. So here we go. One more vulnerable Note about Coop. The vulnerability episode with Evan Cooper. Yes, man. I I like it. They're getting getting some good stuff here. Yeah. So in my life, networking has always been kind of awkward to me because I'm like a real relationship guy. I'm like a authentic, like organic deal. Mm -hmm. And it 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 like kind of gives me like almost anxiety, but just whatever. It raises my blood pressure when I have to like meet a bunch of people Mm -hmm. that only care about my title or whatever. Like, I just want to go, you know, have lunch with somebody and be, you know, have a real conversation. Let's talk about like life, like finances and that sort of stuff. So it's always whatever in that realm, like coaching conventions and all, but the combine is a little bit different. You know, you see these guys all year, like I'm going to pro day workouts and I'm seeing them on the sidelines and, you know, you kind of build some, you know, common ground and, You start, start out by saying, what's up? How you doing? And then whatever. Then you grow and you're like, man, I just seen you, whatever. whatever, whatever." And then you just talk, but you rarely talk about football, to be honest. Like you don't really talk about football. You talk about all the other stuff, you know?
1: So Coop, I've talked to Colin Thompson about this. One of another temple guy, one of several temple guys that's down there. And I want to ask you about this too. You you guys have seen Matt take criticism before when he was a temple, but, now he's taking it in a different way down there, and, and you guys are really under a lot of pressure down there. And it's kind of you know, there you know, he was criticized early on in his temple tenure before you know, but there was this belief like he's gonna get things turned around, and he did. Um, what is it like to see him go through that now, uh, when he's just kind of going through the type of scrutiny that he is now. And you guys know how important this offseason is and this upcoming season. You know, I know Matt would say, you can't let it get to you. you, can't let it get to you. But is there any part of you as a human that looks around and says, man, this is, you know, do, do, yeah. how, how is it easy to block it out? Is it harder to block it out? What's it like to kind of see that now down there heading into his third season, being part yeah, of it? Yeah,
0: well, you know, it sucks, to be mm-hmm. honest, you know, because it's somebody that I care about. You know, Coach <laughs> Rule is my guy, mm-hmm. one of my – the biggest influences in my life, you know, um, I can guarantee you this. There will be no harder working because of the scrutiny. Like Coach Rule, every single day, bust his butt. But that's when he's winning. That's when he's losing. That's when he's tying. Just That's just who he is. And that's really who the staff is. It's not like we're saying, well, oh, we have to work harder now that people think we don't. It's the same process for him. And you know, it's hard to overlook some of the stuff. But again, like you said, he's been through that at Temple. Everybody thought he was a bad coach at Temple. And by the end of it, they were sad to see him leave. And he went through it at Baylor. Everybody thought he was a terrible coach at Baylor. And by the end of it, they were sad to see him leave. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens in year three with the Carolina Panthers. But um, I have the utmost faith in coach, and I know I know him personally, and I know what he's capable of. This guy's literally one of the smartest humans. I don't even want to say in the league. I'm just smart as humans that I what up that I've seen. So he'll get it figured out for sure.
2: I think he will too, man. I'm, and I'm anxious to see it. I've been obviously I follow you guys a ton. I mean, you talk a lot. As you know, um uh new head coach at Temple, right? You know, Stan Drayton gets hired. And um, you know, you and I have talked a little bit and it was mentioned in AlScoop.com stories and all over social media of like potential candidates for the job. And some of our former guys we work with, you know what I mean? They're Fran, Fran yeah. Brown, Elijah, Foley, Sarabo names. And your name pops up, right? Like you mm-hmm. see it on some Twitters, you see some people mention it. And it's, you and know, like I said, me mean, you've talked, it's like when you become a head coach, hey, bro, I'm going to hire you. And you told me when I become a head coach, I'm like, be ready. I'm going to hire you. Right. Nice. So it's like, did anybody from Temple again, did it reach out? Were you? Did you expect someone to reach out? What would you have done if they did? And then like, what is your main goal in this profession, bro? Like, do you want to be a head coach in the NFL? Do you want to be a head coach in college? Are you taking it – you know, I know you're taking things one day at a time and attacking every day, um, and that's kind of your process. And it's like, do you want to be a GM? You know what I mean, do you want to be the first head coach slash GM ever? Like, do you want to do – like, what do you want to do, man? Like, what's your main goal? Or is it, like, is it, you know, locked up in that vault behind you? And when it comes out, everyone will see. So, I'm like, there's a couple different questions in there, man, but hopefully – yeah. Can- you feel
0: me well, As far as the, the Temple job, to be honest, until I die, I'll always be interested in being a head coach at Temple. Like, that's just, it is what it is. Like, it's my alma mater. Like you said, I did a couple stints. <laughs> you did some stints? I did some stints. I did a couple digs <laughs> <dance. laughs> And, you know, I just, I will always have a special, that place changed my life. Like, like I said, I met, I met pretty much, I mean, that place set me up for the future. I met my wife, I met Adam, I met. Matt Rule, I met Dominique Harris, I met Terrence Knighton, I met Richard Shepard, Wilbur Branson, Devin Th- all of these guys, you know, people that were in my wedding, you know, people who've influenced my career, you know, so that's a special place to me, you know, and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what it takes to win there because I've seen it done twice. Um, so I'll always be interested in that job. Um, as far as what I would like to do, man, I promise you this. I just had this conversation with someone the other day. I am not the person who can look too far out ahead. I never have been, you know, um, I think Giannis said it. He was like, if you live in the future, you die in the present. If you live in the past, you die in the future or something, something to that effect. And it kind of hit me. Like I cannot plan for the future. I can't. So literally every single day, I'm just trying to be, the best at my job description. Al Golden told me this, he said, master your current role and then ask for a big one. So I kind of have lived that way, you know, um, however it shakes out, you know, it's weird because in college you do both. Like there is no personnel side coach side coaches recruit their own happiness, so to speak. You know, they've got head coaches, especially, so, you know, whatever. Um, I just really enjoy both. Like, if you watch me in the draft room or in the evaluation Yeah, that's the coolest thing ever. When I see pictures
2: of you in the draft room, I'll screenshot them so fast. and I You
0: you know, it just feels like I'm home. But then when I get on the grass and I'm coaching and talking to Dante Jackson or J.C. Horn or C.J. Henderson, I just feel like I'm at home again. I feel like that's my passion. I feel like I can have enough passion for both of them. It's a little bit extra work with both of my titles. Shout out to my wife. But Mm -hmm. – I just, you know, I'm just fulfilled in both of those. So to long story short, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I try not to look too far ahead. Right. You know, I just try to master my current role. And then whatever happens after that happens. Hmm, absolutely. Coop, this was
1: that. I respect that. This was uh this was a ton of fun. We could probably sit around and talk for hours, but I know this is a busy, busy part of the, the season for you guys with the draft coming up. Best of luck to you um uh, best of luck in the draft and the offseason and everything this was this was fun just going down memory lane thanks for spending some time with us we appreciate it
0: hey anytime man anytime hey, man. listen coop, man
2: cool cool tell me, coach let me, Dre, hey coop, let me talk yeah. real quick let me talk Hey, man, listen, <laughs> first off hey we're on zoom right now so you can see me listen i'm proud of you man seriously we come a long way so i'm, I'm proud of seeing the things that you're doing the day that you become and then I'm, I, the only thing I need is some more gear. That's it, man. But I get I'm proud bread. of you, man. Listen, I'm proud of you, man. I love you. I'm, I'm happy that you're doing the things you're doing. And no matter what, just remember you earned that, that bleep. You earned that bleep. It's the PG-13 podcast. <laughs> but I'm proud of you, man. I love you, man. So enjoy it. And like I said, we ever get back to Temple together, we'll talk to Coach Straight and get in right.
0: No doubt about it, bro. I appreciate you, man. I love you, too, bro.
2: Sure. Sure.